This week on Media Delta, Jaws. In the water, no one can hear you scream. Um, um, unless you're above water, in which, well, everyone can hear you scream. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Media Delta. Um, we have a big one to talk about today, although maybe not in the terms of uh, video games, because, or video game-based movies, because um, this... Uh, didn't actually, you know, for as much of an impact this movie has, there's only kind of been a handful of games based on this franchise. Um, but it is an incredibly big movie franchise. Although, probably say this particular movie in this franchise that we're talking about today, probably the most important one. Uh, we're talking about Jaws today. Um, kind of sort of continuing our horror theme, because this is technically a horror movie, although more a thriller. You could definitely see it as a horror movie. Um, but yeah, uh, this is a pretty important film in terms of uh, cultural history. Um, so uh, I was not the only one who uh, watched this. Uh, I had two others uh, kind of watch and, you know, rewatch this so that we can uh, have some commentary on it. So please introduce yourselves. I believe we have caught a Norman Rafferty. I don't believe we've caught the Norman Rafferty. I'm Torpetypus, and I'm here for the horrors of HD. Yes. Um, so yeah, Jaws, if you're not familiar with this franchise, um, basically, it is a movie about a shark. A shark that eats people. Even though, um, you know, like, it's actually kind of funny. You go look up, like, actual recorded shark attacks. Like, you might get, like, a person a year and like even like a, the time that this movie slash because this actually was based on a book like the i think the i think in 1974 when the book was written i think there was one in 1975 there was two um and the sharks that actually caused those incidents uh, like in any in any of those incidents was not a great white shark of which jaws that's the type that jaws is but yeah, it, this movie viscerally fucking hates sharks. Yeah. Um, this, yeah, like, I probably would not, like, I I wonder, like, what was the opinion of sharks before Jaws came out? Like, did people think of them as particularly more dangerous than anything else? That's like any other, like, ocean, much like any ocean creature. Um. Like, I actually kind of curious, like, what is the, like, how, like, how many more incidents were there, like, things like, I don't know, manta rays than there were with sharks? Um, but yeah. So yeah, this movie came out in 1975, uh, directed by one Steven Spielberg. Um, and yeah, based on a book of the same name by one uh, Peter Benchley that did come out in 1974. So, uh, I think before we kind of keep like more prattle on about this um probably should get uh in with the kind of you know our always our eternal first question Serafity, uh what are your general thoughts on this film i love this movie um i still think it, it's great today uh I, I think uh you've got uh, a stellar cast uh and uh this is uh spielberg uh before he you know, at the peak of his original form, where he's trying to uh, go for a sort of reality, 
uh, and ground the characters. And he does a really good job of setting everything up. Uh, the special effects are used uh, to great effect. I mean, there's a lot of talk about how um, their shark kept breaking down. But if you watch the documentaries and other liner notes, uh, they went back and put in extra effect shots after test audiences. So, um, it, and it's, uh, I mean, uh, this also is where, this is another one of those Citizen Kane style movies where it's like people might watch it today and think, oh, I've seen this movie before. But this is the movie that started all those cliches. The We can't close the beaches because we'll lose everything. Uh, the, um, you know, family in peril from uh, a mysterious predator, a lot of false starts. And then of course the mysterious kind of ending to it. So yeah, I think this movie, uh, and of course the soundtrack. So yeah, I think this movie is great and I think everybody should watch it. Uh, so I tell you that you had watched this film before. Several times. Okay. Um, yeah, cause I, that is something that, uh, so just a, Go ahead and say this. Uh, both I, I know I hadn't seen this movie prior. I believe Torp. I believe this is your first time watching. Yeah, this. I'd never seen it before. Um, so it is interesting uh, seeing. I'm this. actually in here commentating completely blind. I haven't seen the movie still. Oh, that that's going to be unfortunate. But anyway, um, yes. Uh, so it is good to have someone who has seen this before. Um, kind of with, especially someone who who's very familiar with it. Yeah, because I mean, oh, yeah. like, yeah, this is definitely a like, this is a huge film. This is the film that didn't coin like the word blockbuster was there before, but this was like the first case of the modern blockbuster. Well, yeah, well, my research shows that this is pretty much the first blockbuster. Like before this, uh, they were usually releasing movies because because prints were expensive. So they would release a small number of prints wait for word of mouth to build up and then uh you know launch it wide uh, on other screens but this movie is famous for taking everyone by surprise by opening on over 400 screens and everybody went to go see it so it was it, like usually when you open a lot of screens and no one had heard of your movie it didn't open like this this is like the first movie that starts like today movies always brag about their opening gross weekend. Like, ah, oh, we got a billion dollars our first weekend. Um, this is the movie that started all that. Before this, they didn't brag about like ticket sales numbers like this. Movies usually open only on a few screens and they bragged about what critics said. In fact, I do want to point out this is ironic because in 1975, this movie opens, becomes the biggest opening of all time without opening for critics. And then in 2007, Steven Spielberg produces the Transformers movie which also opens wide in a bunch of screens and is not pre-screened for critics. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this movie just starts all that. Um, cause yeah, like that is kind of why this movie is good. I don't, I kind of, it always kind of weirds me out when it's like, that's the case because it's like, this doesn't seem like the kind of movie that would draw that kind of reaction. Like, not necessarily to like badmouth the film, but this just doesn't seem like a like super popular movie. Like it's not something like I could imagine like I don't know Star Wars being, or like maybe a Disney film, not Jaws. Yeah, for uh, many I, many I years. Oh, go ahead. Modern modern cinema has really colored that differently. Yeah, for for many years, this was on like the top ten list. 
uh, of top grossing movies of all time. Uh, I mean, this also, like, the movie is good because I think this movie is, uh, some critics have called this the end of new Hollywood. Starting in the late 60s with movies like Bonnie and Clyde and then getting into movies like The Godfather, there were, like, a whole bunch of, you know, new young directors like Francis Ford Coppola, Brian De Palma, uh, De Palma, sorry, and Steven Spielberg, who showed up and had new ideas of what they wanted to put. Like, movies were supposed to be gritty and real, and they, you know, might play with the structure and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of those movies, like a 1970s movie is usually very 1970s. If you try to watch some of those movies today, they they just have a weird sensibility, you know, oh, Dog Day Afternoon, this is a 1970s movie. You know it immediately when watching it. And this movie is kind of like the, the beginning of the end for that, because even though it still has a lot of those kinds of tells in it, like, you know, the, a lot of shots of people at home, uh, sequences that I'm pretty sure you guys thought dragged, uh, you know, l- like all that. This is like after this, uh, you know, by 1983, this era was gone. And now it was tentpole movies that opened hugely wide. Everything was a blockbuster, everything huge. So this is like the beginning of the end of that era of Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, I, it definitely the more I think about it, I can definitely see it kind of fitting more of a modern movie mindset, I guess, modern in air quotes, I guess. Um, it is pretty like, that would probably be one of the things that I'll probably get into if Torpo doesn't already, uh, is that this movie's long. Uh, I didn't like, like, yeah. Cause when I was like, Oh yeah, it's Jaws. It's like, it'll just be like another 90. I did not realize this movie was two hours long. Um, which just seems like really weird for a film of this type. Uh, it was one of those movies that was on two VHS tapes because it's too big to fit on one. Yeah, I I just completely did not realize that. I it just was not something that I would have thought that this movie would have been, you know, two hours long. But uh, it is. It is definitely two hours long. Um, but I'll get more into my thoughts when I it's my turn to talk about it. Um. So is there anything else you wanted to bring up? No, I'm, I'm curious what, what uh, I mean, because I've, I've seen this movie in freaking theaters and stuff. I'm curious what, what Torpid has to say. All right. Torpid. Oh, man, you won't like what I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, so actually, like, after watching initially, my opinions kind of mellowed out because I wasn't a huge fan at first. But, like, the more I think on it, the more I kind of appreciate certain aspects of it. Uh, especially after a friend of mine talked to me a bit about it as well. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I do think it is fairly slow for a good chunk of it. They, it's smart enough to start with some action, like something genuinely happening and establishing the threat. And then it kind of slows down for a bit. Uh, and I will say, there's another thing we're going to cover in another question. But man, this... Mm, I'll, I'll, I'll save it. <laughs> yeah, it was... This is a really interesting time to rewatch this movie. Yeah, fucking is. But no, I it's definitely slow for a while. I do think the, the main character, essentially being the straight man for all the idiotic shit, uh, worked perfectly fine. I actually really like the Oceanic uh, Institute guy or whatever the fuck he was from. That was Richard Dreyfus. Yeah, unknown. That was Richard Dreyfus, huh? Huh. Wait, wait, Richard Dreyfus was the. Oh yeah, because who who plays uh, what's his face? The main character. 
Okay, so Brody is played by Roy Scheider, who was Roy Scheider. Uh, That's who, okay. who was pretty known. But Richard Dreyfus is pretty much unknown at this time. He plays Hooper, the oceanologist, and Robert Shaw was also a known actor. He plays Quint. Yep. Uh, fuck, which fuck him. Yeah, which uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure that there um because you said that you have some like knowledge about this, um. We'll probably go over that when we go over the characters, but I'm sure you probably have some interesting trivia about him in his performance. A little bit. You've probably seen the same ones I have. But yeah, this movie was, I mean, also, I'm, I'm an old nerd. So in 1977 or whatever, like people really, the Star Wars had come out and everyone was special effects. And if you were like before, like Star Wars, there wasn't a lot of movies to talk about, like the King Kong remake, De Laurentiis. Ugh. So Jaws has a lot of, you know, the shark is very realistic. And so there was a lot of supplementary material going on around that. And Spielberg hyped that kind of stuff. He was also doing close encounters and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And also, like you mentioned, uh, this movie was was a surprise hit. Uh, the book was very popular. It was a best-selling book. So people who saw read the book went to go see the movie and it sort of turned into like, I guess I want to say the matrix of its day where everyone had heard of this movie. It was the cultural zeitgeist. It just kind of built up. So yeah, a lot of people just were talking about it. Bread like wildfire. Yeah. But, but, uh, but yeah. So what did you think of it? Torpid? I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I enjoyed it for the most part, especially the last half hour where things actually happened. Uh, but I, I would say the characters did definitely carry the slower bits and they knew at least to, sort of sprinkle in things happening i i do think the meat effects were really uh in general the practical effects were pretty solid uh though the jaws uh the mechanical jaws uh didn't really age gracefully into hd hd because you can see everything and it looks a bit janky yeah not like... necessarily bad or anything uh they, they do at least move things around enough to generally hide it yes uh, i mean that is one of the key things about this movie that actually was like it's always great when you hear the question like people have this criticism because i feel like the moment that if i hear someone with that criticism i not to be like judgmental but it's almost like i dismiss their opinion but uh the fact that this movie does not show the shark a whole lot especially early on it's very nice very nice but also it helps build the tension as well yeah yeah, did you guys haven't seen Close Encounters of the Third Kinds? I have not. No. Okay, that's another movie of Spielberg's that has amazing special effects, but they don't show them until the third act. They, a lot of it is literally just like spotlights on cranes. So, uh, you know, they, they also kept that and made a big reveal at the end, so it feels good about that. So Spielberg's playing to his talents here. Mm -hmm. Like, even, like, that's actually one of the things that... Uh, towards like i was surprised like watching it because i was like it's such a notorious thing about this movie is that they barely rarely show the shark i was not expecting to see it so much in the last half like that like the last act like i know the scene like one of the iconic scenes of you know jaws appearing in the water when hooper is chumming or not hooper uh when uh brody is throwing chum in the water and says the line but I thought that that was probably like going to be like one of maybe five scenes in which you see the shark. Yeah, I, I think some of this became dated because, I mean, remember like, all right, so Star Wars comes out in 77 and it does a special like nonstop special effects. And then after that, you have stuff like Alien, 
uh, and uh, Outland, uh, Blade Runner. Uh, suddenly movies have effect shots in almost every single scene. So this this is kind of the end of that era of people being, you know, kind of uh, reluctant about giving those kind of things. Nowadays, a blockbuster, you know, getting back to, you know, Transformers in 2007, where every single shot has CGI or some kind of motion steady cam spin tracking in it, where all the money's clearly on display. It's generally a bit frustrating seeing the sort of decline of practical effects because they look but, generally a lot better than a lot of CG. Forgive me for probably forgetting an easy thing, but Spielberg was Jurassic Park, right? Yeah, yeah, he's Jurassic Park. Yeah, because that like that was like the tail end of like the like what if correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that like generally seen to be like the last movie that really just was really focused on practical effects? Isn't that like one of them? if not the last. It does have some very impressive practical effects in it. It still looks really good, too, I might add. Yeah, that's Spielberg's talent as a director. But CG was pretty much on the way in, and I, I mean, I don't know what movie actually kills it. The Matrix is probably the one that actually, you could just say that's the nail in the coffin right there. Yeah, it's probably the real, like, shifting point. Uh, and then a couple years later, George Lucas bragging he has twice as many digital effects in The Phantom Menace as the matrix does. So yeah, that's the end. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, so Tarpa, do you have any other thoughts or anything else you want to call out? Uh, I do want to mention they actually use surprisingly few, I guess you could say sets. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, I mean, it helps that a good half of the movie is set on the water. Yeah. So, but like that... even in town, it's largely just on the beach. Yeah. With occasionally shots of like inside houses. Yeah. yeah, it shot on location in Martha Vineyard. Once again, New Hollywood was able to take advantage of the steady cam uh, that was, you know, like, like they, they could have longer shots with smaller cameras so they could go in a house and follow people around. And uh, they really take advantage of that. Like the opening shots where they show Brody talking about his family and making fun of New England accents. Uh, you know, they see sets up the entire house. So you can, you know, see where they live on the island and stuff. Yeah the whitest little island you've ever seen. Oh, I guess we yep. should mention the video games. Did you guys notice the vintage video games in the movie? Yeah, that yeah. was the, Yeah, that was the one thing that I saw. I was like, god, it's really weird. Like I noticed it when we were watching this. It was like, man, that's like it is really weird to see a 1975 arcade. Yeah, uh cuz they've got the Killer Shark game, which I've never seen. Uh, that's apparently uh a mechanical game, not a video game. But and the movie is famous for having a game called Computer Space. There's that weird game in the back that has like the weird 60s vacuum form on it. And apparently it's an Atari version of Space War. You blink, you miss it. But this movie has it in it. So video game nerds, I get, we have to point out for the video game nerds. Yes, Computer Space is in this movie. Apparently it's the only movie Computer Space was ever in. Yep. Killer Shark apparently is, uh, developed in 1972 by Sega. So that would have been probably one of their... First coin ops, maybe? Yeah, shortly after this, there's a video game where you play a shark and it's got voice sampling in it, which is unusual for the time. But that came out after this movie. And I can't remember what it's called, but it's a it's a black and white game. We'll have to look this one up when we're done. Yeah, that, that was something I noticed that um I was like, it's a, just a neat detail of like going back and seeing that in a thing. But yeah, especially like, because it reminds me of there was like, um, 
I forgot exactly what the name of it is. I think it was like the Arcadia or something. Uh, but we had a thing that it was like a toy that would project holograms onto like a, a, a wall. That was like a duck hunt game that would mechanically like move the tr- move a uh, like a projector that would project yeah. uh, projector of ducks. But I believe this works on kind of the same principle. Yeah, it had like a light sensor in it, so that's how it detected if you were shooting something. Uh huh. I had one of those. Yeah. So that was that. That is that was in fact a neat thing to see in that. Um. But yeah. Um. Was there anything else you wanted to add onto that? Um, as I said, the slow pacing was kind of an issue for me, I will say. Uh, obviously, it's supposed to be like a slow build, and they do, as I said, pepper in like some things happening, but like the entire we got the wrong shark bit just kind of didn't feel great. <laughs> yeah. To me at least. Uh, it's I... also great because I have distinct memories of being a child and my dad fishing up a shark. I, I forget what kind. And just bring it back on his boat, and then everyone just picking the teeth out of it. Wow. Is... Yeah, I mean, because there are sharks speak, out in Rhode I mean, Speaking of, of practical effects, that's a real dead shark that they're uh, working on yeah. in the movie. That's, yeah, that that seems like the thing you would do. Gotta spill the shark milk everywhere. Uh, but um, yeah, no, I was just mentioning, like, as I have seen a shark up close, my dad caught one when I was, like, three, and I have distinct memories of him bringing that shit in and hating it. Yeah. But cuz yeah, that there are sharks off the coast of Rhode Island, fun fact. Um yep. and whales. People forget those things up here, but uh regardless, I I, I it was a neat movie. I I especially enjoyed the last half hour uh, cuz I enjoyed even if I hate I absolutely despised one of the characters. Uh though I will say this movie is aggressively white. Yeah. Um yes. Yes, it is. Um, okay, so that good for you? Um, I think for the time being, yeah. All right. Um, so my thoughts, like the thing about this, that the pacing of this movie kind of reminds me of, and I don't know, I think it's just because it's a small coastal town that was giving me huge Murder, She Wrote vibes. Um, but this feels like a combination of a show that was like a two-parter like an hour-long show that was basically you took a two-parter of that and you smushed it into one thing um that it's like because like the first half of the movie can kind of be its own kind of thing and then the second half when you're actually on hunting the shark feels like something completely different uh at least that's how i thought of it of um yeah i think it divides neatly that way i'd agree uh, my general impressions were that I like it's kind of the thing that I'll mention in Sweet Home or but I, that I mentioned in Sweet Home review. This is not in general my kind of movie. Um, the thing that also this being a 1975 film, it makes it re- reminds me uh, was actually the MPAA rating system at the time where it's great because you have this period of film in which. You have because only you only have because remember you only have P you have G PG R, which meant that PG had like a scale of like saying maybe more than three swear words like in the case of like Secret of Nim there's a few cases use word damn 
that still gets it. Well, Secret rated. of Nims rated rated G. Yeah. Yeah. Well, rated cartoons, G it's for kids. It's cart- yeah. Cartoon. For, yeah. That. If you if you donate to the Retro Rank Relief Drive, we could maybe talk about the movie, which I would gladly do. Um, but nonetheless, because um, then you have like that, like that being the tail end to this movie, which is still PG, which is fascinating to me, because I would still say that this is an R-rated movie. Because uh, there is some, there's some detail gore in this. There's some yeah. meat. A lot well, of speaking meat. of names that come up, it's infamously Steven Spielberg who teamed up with George Lucas for Temple of Doom yeah. that it, that was what spurred all the controversy and started the PG-13 rating I, I would almost say that this is more gnarly than Temple of Doom in certain spots like Temple of Doom is a lot more gro- like it's it's a lot more grosser but this is just a lot more very racist I, I mean that's that's unfortunately yeah. not going to move the needle but it's um but it's weird because this movie, like when this movie came out, this did not have controversy. People saying it was like, oh, this is too intense for PG. That was not one of the controversies at the time. It's not until Temple of Doom, probably because Temple of Doom has children in it. And we have to think of the children. That could argue also in part because there is nothing sexual in any of this. That also, but even in Temple of Doom, I don't think there was that much. Like, mm. like well, also, to be fair, talking about sexual, think about a movie like 13 Candles. Uh, there is just straight up uh, teenage titty in that. Yep. Like that, now no way to beat around the bush. You see a, who I'm pretty sure at the time was think to be a high school girl, just full chest on on frame. Well, I, I think this... Like... Oh, go ahead. As I say, I just feel like people are a lot more uh, tolerant of meat. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I mean, like, I would argue that, like, if you watch a film like this movie is not yet rated, this just kind of shows the fact that the rating system is a product of its time, because I don't think something like this would have been rated PG. Uh, if you made this movie again today, I don't think it'd be PG. I don't even think it'd be PG-13. Oh, because no, you got with all the meat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not to mention naked woman getting killed by shark in first five mm-hmm. minutes. So yeah, no, it would definitely be this. This just shows, yeah, the just the sliding scale of mores at the time. Yeah, a shifting understanding of film ratings and what they mean. Because the the reason that I bring that up, like much like Sweet Home, there are parts of this movie that I was like, I definitely, I, I do not want to look at the screen right now. Really good. Um. Yeah, and like the good fucking meat. Like especially like autopsies and like. Um, that kind of thing is just one of the things that real like gore, like I can take or leave it when it comes to certain things. It's just when it comes to a, like an autopsy scene that is just like an extra special level of uh, I'm good. So yeah, um, there are certain, but granted that it's much less like it's much more uh, like manageable in this one. Also, another thing is there's the the thing of like uh you see hooper it's either hooper or brody go through this book that has a bunch of photos in it of people who are victims of shark attacks and those are some pretty gnarly wounds that they show on screen for sure it's brody yeah yeah it's brody it's brody because his his wife gets the book and then flips to a picture and then tells her kids to get out of the water in a comic relief moment yeah uh so that that i I feel like I should mention that because that is going to be something that comes up, I feel, this month. Um, but yeah. I, 
Actually, now that I think about it, I don't think it, I don't think it's going to this month, but nonetheless, uh, that is something that, yeah, uh, if you are squeamish, this might, there are, so, there are a few scenes, like weirdly enough, it's early on in the movie that's bad. Like once you actually get to like the shark itself, it's actually not that bad. I'll say it's not like there's anything like super graphic dismemberment. It's just the meat left over is quite detailed. Yeah, like the well, the, the movie is pretty intense. Like the opening sequence, you don't see anything happening to the swimmer in the opening sequence, but she's visibly, like forcibly, being jerked back and forth, and then audibly drowning while that's going on. So even though you're not quote seeing anything. That's incredibly intense and nightmare-inducing. Like, also, especially like the second shark attack, which was a kid. Which you do, you see, there's a lot of food coloring in that water after that effect. Uh, and that is, yeah. And also, there's the Bostonian that gets chomped. Yeah, I, but he's Bostonian. Fuck him. Yeah, that, that's like the only one that you that you see like a thing because you, you see him get chomped and you see a leg float in the water. Like, that's about as much as you get for, like, dismemberment. Other than, like, there's also another autopsy scene where they look at the girl and they bring up an arm. So you're just going to forget that Quint gets bitten in half? Well, I technically, but they don't really, I mean, they slightly show it, but they don't show, like, it's super graphic. You know, it's it's pretty brutal. It's brutal, but it's also, you could get away with that on TV. Look, I just fondly remember us all, me and Lolo, celebrating when Quint died. <laughs> yep. Uh, because that is actually, I think, a good segue to talk about. Uh, well, actually, I'll just summarize my thoughts. I, I think it's a good movie, but also realize that you're gonna, if you're going into this for the first time, it's a slow burn. Which I am, I am a fan of several slower movies. Like one of my favorite movies is heat. Also 2001, a space odyssey. So take that what you will. Um, but yeah, I feel like that argue talk- part of it too is the Seinfeld effect, but yeah, that also could be, um, but yeah, uh, let's talk about the setting and characters a little bit. So, uh, Torpo, what are your th- general thoughts on your, on the characters and setting of this movie? I mean, it, it, the setting is the whitest little island you'll ever see off the coast of New York. So, yeah, was it Amity Island? Uh, Amity, uh... yeah, fictional place. It's yeah, yeah, filmed it's in fictional. Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely fictional. I'm just saying, like, oh my god, it's like they made an entire island suburbs so white. Yep. Yeah, see, because that's another criticism that was contemporary of Steven Spielberg is that his movies were the whitest movies you've ever seen. Because you've got Poltergeist, which is set in a white suburb. Um, one of my favorite comments, I found this in Rolling Stone. Terry Garr was in Close Encounters and report, supposedly Terry Garr asked Steven Spielberg, why are we all acting so weird like this? Is because aliens are influencing our minds? And Spielberg explained, no, no, you're just in suburbia. This is how people in suburbia are. Huh. The true um, terror of suburbia. Yes. But yeah. Uh-oh. Also, there aren't very many women characters. I mean, there aren't that many characters in general. It's a pretty... As far as, like, named cast goes, it's actually pretty small. Like, surprisingly so. But yeah. It, it, the last half of the movie is just three dudes on a fucking boat shooting the shit being assholes. Yeah. But, uh... Okay, everyone except for Brody. Brody just wants to be anywhere else. Yeah, Brody, like, I kind of appreciate Brody uh, in this movie because it's kind of weird. Like, 
you kind of just think that he is just like the like just some dude like a dad that is just on the thing you kind of forget that he is the chief of police of this island um because he, he he's very chill for that kind of thing and like very like um he's very he's played incredibly like chill for that kind of position to be fair i doubt there are many people working under him yeah like it's probably a like you see like a deputy or something underneath him but like that's about it and like considering like the scene in the movie where you, you get the bunch of people that are trying to hunt this shark and it all seems like just yokels who are basically like drinking beer while doing this in like a dinghy yeah there's a bunch of video out of towners yeah yeah but uh no in, in general like brody is is pretty straight laced but also i can appreciate a man who's also afraid of the ocean water issues but uh in general he, he was actually pretty likable pretty enjoyable um fuck i forgot the oceanic institute guy i, I already forgot hooper why do i keep forgetting hooper but uh he was actually uh, pretty fun uh initially he seemed like a bit of a dick but he start he opens up over the course of the movie and becomes a lot more likable uh and i was also pretty much always in brody's camp which is nice because to put it simply uh, the mayor's a piece of shit and doesn't trust any of them yeah well he's he just wants to make sure like he is trying to keep the status quo so to speak he wants to keep the beaches open to make bank yes which yeah so the mayor's a piece of shit uh i already forgot the fucking captain's name too i uh quint, quint. The, the names escape me repeatedly even though i recognize i remember the characters faces and everything uh quint's a piece of fucking shit just absolute fucking trash yep nothing but pure garbage he's like some super hyper masculine douchebag and it's really great because every time he opens his mouth i want him to get hurt uh he even tells the story of like the sub he was on but the problem is the story told is pretty inaccurate actually uh very inaccurate it was great because one of the people who was in the call with us was previously a history major uh and she had some things to say about his retelling of the incident yep uh and so it was it, a lot about him also once again he he's like one of the big ones espousing the this fucking deep-seated fucking hate of sharks that go that really underlies the whole movie like between him and the oceanic guy even goes on about how much sharks will eat things and eat people and love meat and all that shit and it's like dude that's no sharks are largely harmless unless you're a dipshit and it's, yep. it's, it's it's frustrating how much that like underlies the entire movie it's hatred of sharks that carried over into the real world and caused a lot of problems yep <sighs> yeah those are the main characters i can think of off the top of my head and that's that's largely my opinion on them is like i like like brody hooper's pretty all right too yeah but hot damn quinn sucks they're those are like the main characters who like make appearances in like more than like a handful of scenes like you have like hooper's wife and his kids uh, yeah, they're you, there. She's she's wife. Her personality is wife. Wife, uh, kid is to be kid and to be potential in danger at one point. Um, there's the parents of the kid who dies in the beginning of the movie. We just um, really shit on Brody, despite none of it being his fault. 
but also he can't say outright the mayor's a piece of shit. Yeah, it's because basically the mother is super pissed off at Quint or not Quint at uh, Rhodey because you know her son died because the beach was open, even though they knew that someone had died earlier. So there's that. But yeah, that's kind of the major characters in this movie. Yeah, it's it's actually like surprisingly reserved in terms of both cast and setting. Like now that I think about it, but uh, yeah, I think that's largely my opinions on them. Like I I really yep. So uh, why I celebrated when he fucking died. All right. Uh, that's so my that... other. Okay, so actually, really quick, one other issue is that a lot of the time the movie fucking vindicates him, and it's awful. Like as nice he... as it was seeing him die, the movie still consistently is like, yeah, he's he's pretty right. Yeah, it's the whole thing of like. It's it's the old uh, college educated coming into town and breaking things where simple old good old boy nonsense wisdom is going to pre- it should prevail or something like that. The gruff everyman. Yeah. yeah, you do you do have the problem where the movie needs to establish like a a genuine threat. So to do that, the shark has to be a genuine threat, even though realistically it wouldn't be this much of a threat. And that does, I agree with you, cause the problem that it makes Quint correct because Quint keeps talking about how this is a threat. So that's not that, it's not, it's not great. Yeah. Yeah, so th- that's my general opinion. Um, yep. So uh, Rafferty, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, basically this is, like I get, uh, was mentioning, the the tail end of New Hollywood. Before, uh, I, you know, nowadays I, people... Actually, um, one thing, uh, there is a character we kind of technically forgot. Yeah. Uh, Jaws. Oh, yeah. Jaws existed. Oh, Bruce. Yeah. Yes, Bruce. Bruce. Um, um, yeah, well, it's more of a force of nature. I, 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 I just feel that it, technically it is a character, but it is essentially. Uh, it, it was really good every time Jaws appeared on screen because HD it, make, shows how goofy it is. But yeah, uh, Jaws basically does not act like a shark. It acts like a burger robot. Yeah, because it is yep. one. Because it, it is one. But uh, it's it's really good because we started making really stupid noises every time it's really goofily flapping jaw appeared on screen. Yep. It was it was fun. The perils of HD. Yeah, mm-hmm. HD is uh, rough to some things. There was a there was a, even a joke on Robot Chicken of you know Jaws the. Uh, the it, it, what would they call? It? I forgot, man, I already forgot what they called those Star Wars when they re-released them. Oh, the special editions. There we are. There was a joke about Jaws special edition, like when the shark explodes, a ring would come off of it. So, but um, I, I could see them doing a dusting of CGI over the robot, but I'm glad they didn't. Yeah, I'm 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 happier that it's preserved as is. Yeah, rather than touching it up. Uh. Like the shark itself still looked nice, even if like the movement was the clumsy part. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, it looks a little goofy, but also they're like, yes, like if you aren't paying attention, you know, you're just enjoying the movie, not being a critical dick about it. Um, fuck you too. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm just saying, in the sense of you, if you're not looking at it in the sense of like, if you have your like, rather than having like the critical glasses on, you're just kind of enjoying the movie. Like if you're watching it on the side while like doing something else, it's kind of something that you probably it's harder to watch unless you're specifically looking for it because 
Like if you just see it in the side, like it's not that bad. But if you're looking at directly head on and know about it, it's something that you can probably see. Oh yeah. Well, the the acting I think so. Like like Roy Scheider really sells it when the shark surprises him for the first time. Oh yeah, that that is a very good scene actually. Uh, and there there is a reason why that scene is like one of the most not notorious, but one of the more famous things of this movie, where it, it's the you know. Gotta get a bigger boat. I, I always like the the callback later, like after they have the altercation, like, yeah, but we can go radio back and go get a bigger boat. And Quint won't let him go back. That's why you hate Quint. Because he breaks the thing of a, a baseball bat. Breaks the radio, which is the dumbest thing you could possibly do. Yeah. I, I do want to add at the very end of the movie, they somehow managed to swim back to shore. And it's very bizarre because in in the shots where they are on the ocean, there is no land in sight. Yeah, well, the original ending was ambiguous. It's not until they made all those sequels. Ah, yes. Tell me about the voodoo curse. Yep. There's a voodoo curse. Because, of course, there is. But, yeah, speaking of, like, the ending and, of course, the characters, the way they didn't... Uh, you know, th this is before... Like, this is the new Hollywood era before... I guess what I would call the save the cat era where every movie, they always try to have to put in some, something to make the protagonist likable or they have to have that moment where the characters were offended. So you don't feel bad that they do violence against other things. And, and you know, th th this is the, I love the word verisimilitude era where they're trying to portray these people as realistic. They're jobbers, they're assholes, they're myopic. They have family lives. Uh, it, they're, they're being people in a world that is not necessarily in their favor. And like, even that ambiguous ending, we don't know that they're going to get back to civilization. We just know they have to do it. And uh, that's, you know, I mean, I guess I want to say they don't make movies like this anymore. Like, well, the, the ending wasn't ambiguous. They visibly got back to shore at the end of the movie. No, they, I thought they were just on the mass and they just start paddling. No. back. They start, yeah. well, well, so the, the thing is, they start pedaling back and then they show us shore. That I don't, it maybe. No, they got back to shore. Huh. I was even calling it out. Like, I was genuinely confused. Okay. Well, not as ambiguous. Then. It's, yeah. it's, it's weird. Also, just me mentioning Save the Cat, it was really fun watching the movie just going on to Does the Dog Die? <laughs> yep. That is one thing that this movie does pretty well. Which is it does its fake outs pretty well. Um, yeah, Spielberg was was pretty good at that. Where uh, I mean, even some of the notes that I saw in the documentaries said that that he realized Spielberg realized early on you can only like really blow them away once. Yeah, you know, once you scare the crap out of everyone, they're going to be on edge. So you're supposed to have a couple fake outs. Now, what modern movies often have too many fake outs, or they rely on the jump scare too much to do that. So this movie has a lot of things in it that like, I would be worried today that people would just say, this is boring. Why are we spending all this time wandering around the house and dealing with toys and that kind of stuff? Um, you know, why, where's the action? And I, I think this, like this movie has Brody as a dynamic with his wife where they get along. They're just a married couple with kids and their kids are obnoxious. Like real kids are. And uh, Hooper shows up and Hooper's obnoxious but he's you know got that kind of Ivy League kind of uh, attitude uh, that but but he's also very hands on 
which, you know, makes him, you know, a credible part of the team. And Quint is obviously a shark hunter, but also obviously dangerous. Uh, and, and you know, say, but, but everyone feels like real people in this. And I think like the second act, of, well, the whole movie, but especially the second act wouldn't work as well if these weren't good actors portraying fully realized characters. Yeah. Um, also, uh, while we were looking at this, because I was looking at something, uh, I have come actually across uh, the Florida, Florida Museum, apparently is a site uh, which has the International Shark Attack file. And since uh, the year 1580 uh, in the U.S., there has been 1,483 shark attacks that are unprovoked in since 18 or since 1580, 1580, which. Oh yeah. It's totally overblown. Have you ever read a Peter Benchley novel? Uh, no, I have, I have not. Also it's great because it's like, Oh, also one thing, um, though granted it doesn't say to the extent of it. Uh, it says like the number of attacks, and it says the number that are fatal. And the number that are fatal are an extremely low number compared to, like, in the year, like, in 2019, there were 41 attacks of which zero were fatal. Though, granted, it does not say what the extent of the damage was, but also... Well, uh, the 70s were also, like, the rise of horror. Like, Stephen King had showed up. And and written like Carrie, which also like the new Hollywood, like, like people remember Carrie as having all the psycho kinetic type stuff in it. But a lot of that book is also like, here's a New England town and here are these people wandering around. And there was a brief explosion of horror novels around the 70s. I mean, Stranger Things, you know, has the fake cover that looks like that. And so there were a lot of like people trying to get in on this. And so a lot of them were monster runs amok in this town, like, you know, Bigfoot's killing people or there's a grizzly was a movie that was I think I mean grizzly I think was a book now I gotta look up when grizzly was made because it's one of the Godzilla imitators um you know there was a monster of the week type books and that sort of thing and this is just one that just took off because uh it was kind of popular like uh um and yeah it's totally overblown but uh we remember this one and not movies about killer crowd like what about all the killer b movies that came out do you remember any of those uh nope okay there's a whole bunch of killer b movies or killer fire ants or that kind of stuff this movie just was the book was written well enough and the movie was well enough that people got into that um but um well no nah, i don't want to talk about killer b movies i love those there's a whole bunch of those all right okay grizzly was made after jaws so Okay, so it is a cash in on Jaws, so never mind. Yeah. Um, now I'm just thinking of the movie Anaconda, which I know is much, much later. Uh, although, one thing about that, uh, I did find a little bit of trivia on the Jaws page on Wikipedia. Uh, apparently, John Voight was supposed to be, was originally thought, or like, not thought to be in it, but it was originally like they were planning on having him in the movie, um, which uh, he did show up in Anaconda. And was also eaten, thankfully. Very Quint-like character in that movie, too. Or in that movie too. Yeah, Anaconda is... I mean, like, you could watch Jaws. I'm glad you've seen Anaconda, because you watch Jaws, you go, I'm not 
really sure. That was a pretty good movie. Also, you watch Anaconda. Okay, Jaws is way better than Anaconda. Oh yeah, it is. Uh, also, I will. I want to go on the record. Uh, is that um, my parents bought a laserdisc player when those things were actually like popular. Um, one of the one of the movies that we had was Anaconda, and not Jaws. And not Jaws. We had Anaconda, uh, A Time to Kill, and I. There was a. Uh, I forgot which one, but it was a John Grisham. Yeah, your adaptation. Uh, that that that's some some taste in video library your parents had. Yeah. Uh, I will actually See, become. My dad I, just had like fucking every Star Wars movie, every James Bond film, like all that shit. He did too, but also it was mostly pirated from HBO. There, okay, there but were... also at one point we owned an HD DVD player. It was magical. I intentionally bought one of those. It was worth it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a really good way to watch Good, no good Night and Good Luck. I deeply <laughs> appreciate its incredibly inferior format in every possible way. Yep. Yep. What were we talking about again? Uh, you were going to tell us what you thought of the setting and characters. Oh, um, yeah, I thought it was all right. Although I did, I, I should mention, or I mention again uh it did give me big murder she wrote vibes but that was just me um but yeah it's basically the same thing um brody i liked um a hooper i liked and um yeah uh quint is an asshole and that's about it uh the one thing that um i didn't have anything to verify it but one of the people who was in with us in the call um when we were watching it uh, brought up the fact that um, oh, what was the actor's name who played Quint? Uh, That's Robert Shaw, who Robert was Shaw. infamously alcoholic and had problems yes. during the movie. Yes, that was the thing I was going to bring up was that apparently he was an alcoholic during this entire movie, uh, which you could definitely, I that definitely makes sense. Um, I can definitely see that. Um, so yeah. Um, Oh, wow, he died shortly after this movie was made. I I don't want to say, like, like I'm kind of not surprised uh, if he was that much of a problem, and especially if he was an alcoholic, um, which is unfortunate. Don't get me wrong, but definitely something I can see. Um, but yeah, like, even the side characters are pretty good, nonetheless. Like, they, they serve their role pretty well. Uh, the mayor is a complete idiot uh which in the, the the question we'll talk about next makes perfect sense uh because yeah uh the mayor is very relatable nowadays uh so to speak this movie hits real fucking weird yeah yep. um so yeah why don't we just go ahead and get into that so this is an interesting year to listen to this if you're if you are listening to this in the future uh we are currently six months into the outbreak of covid 19 uh which has uh many people have argued that many we should have closed down a whole lot of things Actually, I think uh, it's seven at this point it's been a while since that thing's uh come out like it since you know that thing started to spread which makes watching this movie very interesting uh, so, Rafferty, how did you think about watching this in the year of our Lord 2020? Well, see, I've got a problem because this movie is very nostalgic because my whole family loved this movie. This was my my mother's favorite movie. 
Uh, she loved this. And uh, I've seen it many times in the theater, in the drive-in, on television, read the book, read many behind-the-scenes stuff. So I, you know, like you said, the the whole closing the beaches thing and, and rampant naked greed with the... Uh, with the complete lack of regard. I mean, notice like the movie uh, in the second half that you're all praising about the mayor's just gone. Yeah. Uh, and it's Brody who gets all the, he gets slapped across the face and gets all the shit for everything that's going on. And once again, those are elements uh, of new Hollywood where it's not, you know, it is the opposite of Brody's fault. Brody wanted to close the beaches uh, you know, he, he told everybody it was terrible. His superiors overrode him. And then he's the one who gets all the shit. And then he's the one who goes out on the boat, uh, uh and deals with everything. To be fair, part of this natural, like mistrust of, of the local government, and all that comes because this is after, this is on the tail end of Watergate when this was made. Right. Well, but also so this natural mistrust of the government and all that, but yeah. Well, the movies like like Bonnie and Clyde was sold from the outlaws' point of view. Butch Cassidy, Sundance Kid, told from the outlaws' view. Godfather, you know, like like that's you common in these kinds of movies anyway. Uh, corrupt yeah. establishments. So, um, you know, but once again, it's like, you know, like there's no necessarily any comeuppance. I mean, at the end of the movie, okay, the shark's dead. So Brody gets to go home. Everybody still hates him. All those people the shark killed are still dead. Also, Quint doesn't get paid, so it doesn't matter. Actually, the mayor came out pretty well. Yeah. yeah. Also, looking at a synopsis for the second movie, he's still the mayor. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So, yeah, no one got any comeuppance or anything. So, yeah, once again, when I say, could make that movie today, uh, they would come up with an excuse for John Turturro to get peed on or something. Um, Which he it's, should um so um but also like like this movie is is very nostalgic for me because it's you know a time period once again the arcade with the mechanical games in it uh i've been to new england in the 1970s so it has some reminders of that uh and you know it, it's that kind of time period so uh I, I think torpid might be better to you know answer the question of what he thought about the culture shock in that yeah so what are your thoughts about watching this movie in 2020? Fucking hits real goddamn weird. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even in my own state, which is part of knowing uh, the mayor made it, uh, the mayor, the governor made it a very clear point uh, to do a sort of slow rollout, so to speak. But it basically only a, a couple months after fucking COVID shit started to open up pretty quickly. Uh, and it's, it's like just watching this. I'm like, yeah, no, this is this is accurate. Fuck um, it, the almighty dollar, whatever. Yeah. Uh. So, definitely from a personal point of view, uh, I am from a state in which local government did a hard uh, shutdown for about, oh, say, a couple weeks, Same. Uh, and then our uh, state legislature completely shut it down. Uh saying that it was like some i forgot exactly the reason for it, it was something stupid but um yeah uh, and now uh the county that i'm living in is uh one of the not only the hot spots of the state uh, it's also the hot spots of the country so yay this was fun to watch it's like the it's like the people say it's like yeah i don't know 
like, why would people in a zombie movie, like, no one would be that stupid to act like they do in a zombie movie. Well, I got proof positive that actually, yeah, they would. And this movie is a clear example of that. Um, Because, yeah, it's like, it's great because you see something like in the movie that's like, or in the start of the movie, it's like, we'll shut down for, like, they're saying, well, we got closed for at least a month. It was like, uh, and then the mayor immediately cuts it. I was like, oh, a day. We'll be back in like a day. Or it's, it's something short like that. Um, so that part was fun. Well, see, nowadays you have modern movies where they can just blow up Egypt like they do in the Transformers or blow up Metropolis and, and no one's hurt. It, everyone's fine. Yeah. Oh, no, they just never talk about it. <laughs> yeah. They're, More they're... importantly, they just never address it or talk about yeah. it. Yeah, they're not American. They don't count. But like, yeah, you know, even for like superhero movies in the places they're trying to protect, there's all kinds of collateral, but they never, never talk about. It. We don't. Oh, it's it. even covered up. Like, you know, it, but but anyway, yeah, it, it's kind of like, yeah, modern movies have spectacle where they blow everything up and, and pointedly okay, no one heroes. gets hurt. Whereas in this movie, uh, and this movie, it's, it's a pointless natural tragedy. The shark isn't doing any of this you know, out of any sense of malice, they, even though Quint hates the shark, uh, it was, it's made abundantly clear. It's just some sort of creature that just does to, this. To be fair though, at some point, like I'd imagine the creature, like I could see it like trying to eat like a person to try and get food. Um, going after the boat though, I feel is like an extra special level of murder robot action instead of, you know, a creature. It gets a little weird near the end, but munching um, and crunching that boat so tasty. Right, but uh, but this is this isn't like like another movie to compare this to, Independence Day, where volitional aliens come from outer space and we never figure out why they're doing all of this. Man, now now that you say that, I it wasn't something that was in my mind, but you know, now that I'm thinking about it. I definitely would rather watch, much rather watch this movie than Independence Day. I mean, they're very similar movies. They both have ensemble casts. They're about an event that happens to someone. They're they're tentpole blockbuster movies. Um, but but remember how you guys were saying like Steven Spielberg does a much better fake out of showing that the dog is okay in Jaws, whereas Independence Day has that infamous shot showing like dozens of humans getting killed but the dog jumps to safety. Man, now I'm just thinking about how much of a bad movie that is. God, now I'm... I think there's an Independence video game, but I'm going to try and avoid that now. Uh, um, well, doesn't Metal Slug 3 count? Maybe. Um, you know, I don't know why the... Uh, uh, yeah. the our tenuous connection here is that there's two Jaws video games. Yes. One of them made by Majesco in the 2000s for reasons we could only guess at. Um, but the LJM one that was made in 1987, I don't understand that. Like, so, yeah, it's like 20th Century Fox made a couple Atari games because they wanted to test the waters for that. But LJN's game just comes out of nowhere. So the thing I could say about that is that LJN, I, I wonder if the link is because... LJN was also a toy manufacturer. I wonder if there were toys out for Jaws that were around that time because uh, the Jaws video game is more, I mean, which is technically the game, the reason why we're actually taking a walk at this movie. Uh, it actually has more to do with, I mean, the Jaws video game is a very, like, it's not directly related to any of the movies. 
Although the one that they are that is most commonly cited as being associated with is Jaws the Revenge. So Jaws 3. Um but I wonder if oh, Jaws Revenge is four. Oh, it's four. Uh, um, Jaws Jaws 3D is the third. Right. Okay. Um and now that I'm looking at the timeline, the Jaws video game would have come out the same year as Jaws the Revenge. So I now bet, I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Um, but really, that video game could really act for any of them. Um, but yeah, uh, that that Majesco one, though, uh, from what I remember, I've never played it. But from what I recall, that one's actually pretty well held in high regard. Uh, there's actually a recent game that came out called Maneater which is a spiritual successor to that game. Um, like I remember hearing like in that game, you can uh, be in essentially like the town you play. Cause you play as jaws in that game, which it, it actually understands the thing that if you want to play a jaws video game, you kind of want to beat jaws. Uh, and you could like go out of the water and like grab someone with your teeth and flash them around so much. They explode. Like it's that kind of game really is bizarre what happened to jaws as a whole yeah yeah but it's, it's like it's it's any it's kind of any thriller kind of thing because think about like think about like what happened to friday 13th in like nightmare on elm street although nightmare on elm street i can't I, that one i'm much less familiar with but you know jason x exists um i wonder if there's a leprechaun game for like the commodore 64 <laughs> I feel like there was something we watched relatively recently that had a similar possibly um although also uh in the meantime i did find that there was an independence game day game uh for the playstation which means i, I really don't want to play it well i know what to spend my fun bucks on great um nonetheless yeah this is a really weird movie to watch 2020 it hits real fucking weird yeah because like so it's like a common thing like before this everyone's like yeah it's real stupid nobody would ever do that nobody would fucking just leave them yeah. out to and die for the almighty dollar that's the power of um that was the power of new hollywood which is like you're showing these movies these assholes in it and then people say oh no one no one could be that terrible no one no one could it's like mm-hmm. and now yeah. the film is fucking vindicated yep in the worst way Still uh, so, it, um, so it's good. It was very good, is what I'll say. Yeah, uh, I do think that we've kind of we've discussed this movie probably good enough. Unless anyone had any last thoughts that they wanted to bring. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed the movie because, like I said, I really do think this is a movie everybody should see. I think it's great. Yeah. I, I was pretty lukewarm on it at first when I watched it, but I feel like part of that was because of the people I watched it with. But like as I said, like it, it after re- like reflecting on it, uh, my opinion mellowed yeah. out. Yeah, I, I would also agree because like when I was first watching this, I'm like eh, kind of like especially like after watching Sweet Home, it's like yeah, but Sweet Home kind of got to the point a little sooner, even though that one also had issues with pacing. Um, right. But yeah, the more that I watched, like the more that I kind of come up, I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, it it did kind of do things pretty well. Yeah, also, um, this has been uh, like a criticism of modern movies is they aren't spending a lot of time building a sense of place. Like you watch this movie and they build up. This is Amity Island. This is what it looks like. This is the beach. This is that stuff. 
Uh, nowadays, a lot of movies aren't made necessarily to be like as you know to involve you in a new place. They get right to the action as you're talking about, which means they tend to be very ephemeral and brush over this. Like you'll watch one of the new Piranha movies uh, or any of those, like, I don't know, kind of, or even the sequels to this. Um, you won't get that. Uh, they won't spend a lot of time building the characters up. And uh, I'm, I'm trying not to sound too nostalgic about that. It's not to say that modern movies are terrible, but like you don't see this level of character economy and detail where they weigh that much. My nearest comparison would be The Mandalorian. Have you guys been watching The Mandalorian? I have not. Okay. Um, even though that's an episodic show, because they're deliberately doing it slow-paced and they trust their actors, they do a slow build like that. You don't see a lot of this kind of slow build going on. You see... Uh, 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 and, and so this really is a relic of that era. I will say, I feel like it benefits greatly from its small cast. Yes. Definitely. And they lucked out because everybody is good. Yes. Um, so uh, with that, is any other things to call out? Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm the only one who's seen the sequels, right? Yeah. <laughs> Man, if you thought, like, if you thought the shark was mean in this, so in Jaws 2. Okay, I did read a, a thing that doesn't, like, in Jaws either 3 or 4, and it'd, like, jump out of the water and attack a helicopter. Jaws 2 is the movie where they attack the helicopter. Just going yeah. with the supreme stupid right off the bat. Yep. Jaws 2 is where they attack the helicopter. Jaws 3 is where uh, it was filmed in 3D, and that's the one where the shark... Um, has superhuman strength and smashes through the bulletproof glass in one of the worst special effects. And of course, Jaws 4 is infamous for the line, this time it's personal, where somehow the shark has killed Brody off screen and is now haunting uh, Brody's wife, who you think could just, you know, move to Albuquerque and not care. Just move away from the coast. Also, as we alluded to earlier, voodoo shark. Um, but uh, you know, don't forget this is kind of funny. Where uh, if you watched uh, Back to the Future Two, remember when he goes to the movie theater and they're showing Jaws Nine? I I have not seen that movie either. Oh, really? Well, yeah. The joke in Back to the Future Two is when he goes to the theater. It's you know, Jaws has already had like six, you know, five more installments. Uh, well, actually, six more because Jaws Four hadn't come out yet. Um, and yeah, like Jaws was going to be, it was already a joke in the 80s. So, uh, yeah, like you were comparing it to like, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street or if they could have gotten away with it, they would have. There's, there's four of these movies. It's great. It's great to think about stuff like Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. They, if you have to stop at four, just imagine how vile that fourth movie is. Well, nowadays they would have filmed the fourth and fifth movie simultaneously. <laughs> I mean, sure, yeah, I suppose, but nonetheless, um, I think we should actually, you know, get to a point where I, I, I think we're ready to rank this. Um, so uh, we are going to rank this using our normal one to twenty-one scale. Uh, I do, I'm, I am pretty certain that this does not belong in any of the side ones, but yeah, we're going to use our normal one to twenty-one scale. Scale to rank this, which uh, one is absolute perfection. Very little you can do to actually make it better. 
and 21, which is absolute garbage and like not even fun, ironically, to watch. Uh, so Rafferty, uh, what no, I'm you... just going, I'm going straight to two. Uh, it, it's okay. a great movie. I think everybody should see it. There's slight imperfections, and I realize a little bit it's dated, but it's also like this. This movie is on many critics' must-see lists, and I'm going to agree with them. I'm going straight to two. Okay, uh, Torpo. I want to hear your opinion. Um, okay. Uh, so I kind like I like this movie. Like I don't. I think that it should be blue at least. Um, so at least the, like, so I'm looking at this, this list, like, especially the last thing we watched, we watched Sweet Home. In hindsight, like at, at, at first glance, I would say that I would rather watch Sweet Home than this. But upon reflection, I do feel like this is a better movie than Sweet Home. Uh, and I do feel this, like, if I think of things like at seven, you got stuff like Tron, which I know is like, let's look, okay, let's look at other things. Got American Gladiators, got Nick Arcade, got Running Man, and got East 2. If I thought about it, would I rather see this, rather watch this than either or any of those? And the thing is, if it was just that last part, actually kind of, yeah. Um, I could see this going into something like six. Um, but, and even as a whole, like the thing is like, it's a caveat, but still I, oops, I do feel like I probably should, like, I, I feel like it's doing a disservice to put it in something like seven. So if I think about something like six, you got stuff like Labyrinth, Mortal Kombat, Humphrey Red October, I feel kind of that. That's kind of a, I feel like that, that region is kind of like, like, it's actually kind of the thing, like Labyrinth is sticking out to me. Like, I feel kind of in the same way about this movie that I feel about Labyrinth. There's a lot of really weird things about Labyrinth, uh, that <laughs> it has some really weird pacing, uh, things, but there's something about Labyrinth that I respect to the level that I still feel like, even though, on a personal level that it is not something that I would probably watch on a whim, but there is something to it that I feel that it is productive, like on a production level, I feel like it needs to be rewarded. Like it is something that you can at least watch from a production standpoint uh, that I at least say, this is something good to watch. Like this is probably one, like if I'm thinking of stuff that's outside of maybe a James Bond film, uh, it is probably one of the few movies from that era that I would watch, like I would say still holds up pretty well. Um, I mean, I, I got to interrupt here and in saying like, so we just went through all that discussion of saying, wow, Jaws feels way too real here in the pandemic of 2020. And then, then you're saying like, oh, but Labyrinth, I can still relate to that. Well, Labyrinth in, in the vein of like, from a personal level, like I'm not a huge fan of watching Labyrinth, but there is something about from a movie itself standpoint is more what I'm comparing it. Like, it, obviously, there are two completely thematically separate, uh, but from a natural production standpoint, I feel similarly where it's the maybe the subject of the movie is not exactly my fort, like my cup of tea, but there's something about it that I really like. So what what would you give it? 
Um, I think because I'm trying to think. I am kind of. I'm gonna. I don't feel like it. I personally would not put it at like. I think somewhere between five and six, is my. So go. Uh, what'd you rate Labyrinth at? Six. Um, I would push you to rate this at a five, mostly because um, uh, as much as you like Labyrinth, I, I think uh, uh, not. I'm not, not, not even going with the 2020 thing, but also like Labyrinth has a couple like weird structurally. Jaws is just emotional, man. Like this movie is just surreal. So the other thing I would also say about stuff that we have in Labyrinth, we also got Mappy, the first Mortal Kombat movie, first 14 episodes of Space Cobra, and The Hunt for the Red Doctor. You should give this a five. Yeah. Well, I'm going to put five to six just to let's see the scale. Uh, I got to see what Torpo was going to do it. Because yeah, this is funny, because not... I was thinking five to four. Oh, you're thinking four to five? Yeah. Okay. Somewhere around there. Because um, I, I do think I would almost say four, because uh, I would almost argue this is uh, on par with Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, but I'd be all right with the five as well. Okay, because I was, I am kind of curious, I was kind of curious to see what the spread between us were, were. So it seems like, like from, it seems like four, see, like if you, I mean, if you take a raw average, I mean, it's four. Um, which if we think of like what we have in four, got the East OVA, we got the Street Fighter 2 animated movie, and we got Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Um, and at five, we have the first season of Game Center CX. And honestly, I can see this being a four. I mean, it, it's universally regarded as a classic. It is. But also, but also sometimes. Like one of the least nerdy movies you guys have watched. Yeah, well, I would argue Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence is probably the least nerdy movie. Yeah, that's why I was watched. saying Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence is up there. Yeah. Actually, I, I'm pretty sure that is going to be the least nerdy thing we watch. Um, but yes, uh, I, I am perfectly fine giving this four. Um, it's also great that halfway through the movie, I kind of forgot what movie I was watching. I was like, huh. It's so like, yeah, this, this movie did a lot of things all right. Uh, what, who directed this? It's like, oh, right. Yeah, no, this this starts because uh, Steven Spielberg doesn't even get nominated for a um, best director for this. This movie wins some Oscars, but it's not even nominated for best director. And that makes Spielberg so mad that he starts to become that he unfortunately becomes Steven Spielberg and starts making all these Oscar chasing movies such as uh, Empire of the Sun, which is terrible. Uh, the Color Purple, which is exorable. And then he finally gets his Oscar with Schindler's List. Huh. Uh, okay, what? I, so, should I put thriller or should I put horror? This is a thriller. This is a thriller. Okay. Uh, also, tone. Te okay, I think for tone, though, I should probably go spooky. Because it kind of is a horror movie. It's kind of has that horror thing i don't it's a thriller it's all about the tension yeah it, it's all about the uh, uh, yeah if you want to say genre thriller tone horror perfect yeah, yeah. that's what i was thinking because it is an incredibly tense movie <laughs> it's about people reacting to horror and forces larger than they can control but it's mostly about you know it's a thriller because it's people reacting to that it's not say you know nightmare on elm street which is horror but spectacle yeah um, also for content, I'm going to put 
gore. Should I, I? I don't know if I should put gore plus. I think just. I would. Gore. I would put gore. Yeah. Um, I still think the sequence where the swimmer gets thrashed around and audibly like chokes and drowns is really harrowing, but you don't really see anything. And then, like, don't forget, it ends with just the buoy. She's gone, and there's the buoy, and it's like she was never there, and her drunk, stupid boyfriend is passed out on the beach. Yep. Uh, I think that's horrifying. Yeah. Um, okay. So, is there anything we want to call out in music, charm, cinematography, storytelling, action, and art? You have to give music a thumbs uh, up because I, the yeah. theme is iconic. It's the Jaws theme. It is the thing. It is the it is the piece of music most associated with sharks since that movie came out. Um, it, it's universally ripped off as like foreboding. I mean, it, come on, it, the Corn Pops commercial ripped it off. It is so icon. It's it. There is something I will. I very much appreciate about it. It is something that is a very rather simple piece of music that is incredibly effective. Um, so let's see, charm. I wouldn't really give it. Cinematography, though, I feel like I, I kind of feel like I should. We should give it a thumbs up for cinematography, just for the fact of how they could have shown the shark super early. Well, also the film, like people made fun of Waterworld being terrible. This is the opposite of Waterworld. Think of how many waterborne shots they had to have. Uh, there are shots on the beach, which is yep. crowded full of people. There, There's a lot of deceptively difficult shots in this movie. Yeah, I, I feel like there's this. the cinematography in this movie is incredible. Um, storytelling, I wouldn't say anything particularly right about that uh action i i think it's the other cinematography that does it i would not call this the action particularly great like not no. it's not bad but it's not like it's not the thing i would call it no i would definitely agree that it, it's the storytelling and the acting that because not a lot happens but um yeah it's it's not an action movie uh it, it is an experience yep um Art, though. Art's really tricky in a live-action movie. Um, I would have to agree with some of the things that Tor Tor Torpid said. I would not give it art. I mean, even though the shark is a very impressive animatronic, um, the best parts of this movie are the portray uh, is the actors' portrayals, the overall theming, and the, and the composition. Like you said, the cinematography. It, it's like... Um, the, the way it's all set up as a story, not necessarily uh, they're exploiting what's there, making what there looks good, but there's not a lot of individual art direction. Because yeah, they make it a point to only show the shark at the climax. Everything else well, is like a giant rising action. But also the thing with the art that's kind of hard to like give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. It's just, it's, it's people. It's real. Like it's, yeah, there's nothing. Disgusting. It, it's just like, it's, it's not, not as pure like, and beautiful as anime. It's, real life like it's you just filmed something that already exists kind of well there's an art doing that uh but that but that art is cinematography so yeah i yeah. would definitely put cinematography and not art yeah because i no, yeah, i was gonna I, say because this doesn't have any real aesthetic i think is what more Lolo's yeah. going with. yeah because if you think about like if you think about a live action movie like like say for example batman like is the one that i see a thumbs up for art like there was a lot of interesting designs in a live action thing um, or say, for example, or like Sweet Blade Home, Runner. 
or Blade Runner. Well, we haven't done well, Blade Runner. I'm yet. using cinematography as an example because yep. oh, like yeah, a yeah. simple a simple way to be be if you the first Ghostbusters movie clearly takes place in New York and nowhere else, and it, most of it filmed in New York. Whereas the 2016 Ghostbusters movie, where does that take place? What city is that in? Where is this? Um, and uh, you know, and, and it's whereas if you watch Jaws, it clearly, in fact, this is an even better example. In Jaws, it clearly looks like it's Amity Island. Jaws four is notorious for people getting thrown overboard, and when they climb back up out of the water, they're bone dry. It's notorious for that because they're doing oh. different takes. Also, like to give a uh, like for giving a thumbs up in a live action movie for art, uh, Ghostbusters actually is a pretty good example because if you think about the design of like the Ghostbusters thing and like if the the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and just the other like the out of out of this world designs of that uh, for that, I would say I would give that a thumbs up. But for Jaws, it, it's mostly just it's Bruce. Yeah, definitely cinematography and not art. Yeah, yeah. cinematography and not art. Um, yeah or nay? Um. I kind of want to give it a nay for pacing or maybe pacing or length, but not both. I'd argue it's a little long in the tooth. Yeah. I think that one I might put just for. Um, I, I would agree that I think you could cut. That's why I said two instead of one. I think you could cut 10 minutes out of this movie and not miss anything. Yeah. You could definitely cut. And, and probably stuff. more than that. You can definitely cut out stuff out of this movie, but yeah, I don't think it's so much a pacing issue. I think it's just there's a lot. Um, and I, I really can't think of much else to like. I can't really think of anything I would call out for it. Because, um, yeah, I think that's I think that's good for Jaws. Wow, the DVD version is even more scenes. Yeah. Uh, well, so here's the thing. I think we actually watched that version. <laughs> Uh, because uh, I have the Blu-ray of this, uh, and I don't know if by default, um, let's see, on the back it says, yeah, it's great. On the back it says, HD picture and theater quality sound, the film that still makes audiences afraid to go in the water. Um, digitally you, yeah, I was going to ask, do you remember Quint going into a music shop being an asshole? No. Okay, so maybe it, it didn't. That because uh, that's I, one of the extended ones. Okay, we probably okay, yeah, because it says let's see, digitally remastered and fully restored, high resolution from high resolution 35 millimeter original film elements. So okay, um, it does have deleted scenes on this Blu-ray, um, but it probably is a separate thing. Um, but yeah, uh, that is actually one thing I did. I a bit of trivia that I found that was kind of interesting. Uh, which was a page for Independence Day. Um, oh, where? Uh, there, there was a case apparently of, of this movie that induced, I forgot, I'm going to look it up so I can find what the uh, term was. But there was, a, there was like a 70-year-old girl who, or like a 70-year-old woman who watched this film. And it actually induced, like there is a, a medical term for it that... Um, Basically, uh, it actually induced a, um, let's see, cinematic neurosis is the term. A 17-year-old female viewer, or neurosis, a 17-year-old female viewer 
Uh, cinematic neurosis is a condition in which viewers exhibit mental health disturbances or a worsening of existing mental health disturbances after viewing a film. The symptoms first presented as sleep disturbances and anxiety, but one day later, the patient was screaming, sharks, sharks, and experiencing convulsions. So, yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure I don't have the things, but I do believe this This is one of those films that kind of, um, like, if you think about the incident in which uh, after Steve Irwin died, that a bunch of people very, like, shittily went and killed manta rays out of spite. I think there were cases of that, but for sharks because of this movie. Um, but yeah, also this, you know, this is probably one of the movies that's the reason why we have that sh- anti, like the whole like craze of shark attacks. Oh, there were definitely a lot of shark killings because of this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, yes, this is forever colored the perception of sharks as a whole uh, in a way that is. Uh, yeah. Because still yeah. to this day, people still buy into the same shit. Um. So yeah, uh, that'll do it uh, for our discussion of Jaws. Uh, so before we go, Rafferty, is there anything you want to plug? Oh, um, uh, I work for sanguinegames.com where we make a variety of stuff, including Horror Stories, which is a uh, tabletop game about uh, making your own horror stories. So yeah, sanguinegames.com, give us a line. All right, Torpo. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Typist and at Typist on Twitter. Uh, and I would like plug up what is left of my fucking boat from this shitty goddamn show. All right. Uh, so, um, yeah, next up, we have a much, much more friendlier Halloween movie, um, because we are actually going to do a movie version of this because boy, howdy, this is a thing, um, a whole franchise. We are going to be taking a look at the, probably should have the Europe, uh, but I believe 1990-ish, um, movie of, uh, the Adams family. Ooh. The 1991. M's family, which uh, stars a uh, actor that we have seen in another movie, uh, Raul Julia. Uh, so rest in peace. Yes, rest in peace. Uh, that'll be a fun thing because I've actually not seen that. Uh, but yeah, so that'll be fun. But yeah, that'll be next week. So thank you all for listening. If you would like to look at the full list of rankings for yourself, please visit r3.ldp.life and go to the Media Delta List tab. If you would like to watch Media Delta's sister show, Retro Rank Rhapsody, you can either watch at youtube.ldp.life or by tuning into twitch.tv slash lodapuzzlo at 7.30 p.m. on Fridays, 2.30 p.m. on Saturdays, and 1 p.m. on Sundays. All those times are from the Eastern U.S. time zone. If you would like to discuss this episode with the community, you can do so by joining our Discord server, which you can do so by going to discord.ldp.life. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you tune in for our next episode.